What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Shane Holcomb Show. I'm your host, Shane Holcomb. On Sunday, four of the best clutch athletes ever in their respective sports took their talents to the fairway. Tiger, Phil, Brady, Manon. The sports were focused in on medalist golf club Sunday afternoon with anticipation as the comeback professional sports creeps near. The trash talk was incomparable. The golf captivated, and the weather dreadful down in South Florida. Tiger Woods and Payne Manon held on to a one-up victory in the match play format, bringing the golf broadcast record 5.8 million sports fans to their couch. Today, I want to welcome one amazing guest, fellow play-by-play sports broadcasting camps alum, the host of the NBA on TNT pregame broadcast, along with the Left Coast show, the one and only. He's the L-E-F-K-O-E, Mr. 33% Adam Lefko onto the podcast. What's up, man? Shane, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, the match, Champions for Charity, with those four guys was so special to watch, to see... Tom Brady getting destroyed on social media and then to hit that shot was amazing. It felt like the Super Bowl against the Falcons where we buried him for the first half and then he somehow came back and won. Uh, I thought Tiger was excellent. Phil and Peyton were funny. Uh, man, man this, it's been interesting these last few months. I don't know how it's been for you. It was just very special having live sports and real competition. Um, I'm up here in New York. And it's, it's quite quiet up here. It's, it's a very unique experience when I can walk through Times Square and nobody's there. Uh, my fiance and I were down in like the West Village of New York and nobody's out. But for one Sunday to have sports going on, man, it was special. It was special indeed. Once again, thank you for joining the podcast. Before we dive into the golf match, I want to talk a little bit about your broadcasting journey. So I mentioned you were at Play Play Sports Broadcasting Camp back in 2002. You graduated from Syracuse, a uh, national journalism school. Talk a little bit about your desire to be in the sports broadcasting industry from a young age. Yeah, I think early on I knew I wanted to be involved in sports. And I'm sure a lot like you, I wasn't sure which way to do it. And then I started to realize that I really enjoyed talking about sports uh, I would, during varsity games, when we would be waiting, we'd be watching the, the JV team or the, the girls team, and I would do joking play-by-play uh, while the game was going on to all of my friends. And after a while, I just said, you know what? I think I, I want to do this. I think I want to get into it. And I did not get into new house right away. Uh, I did not have the grades for it. Uh, so I had to, to do well my first year of, of college to get in. And to be honest, that really motivated me because I would see all these kids that had the same dream as I did. And I, I said, no, I'm going to get it. I'm going to make this happen. Um, a lot of young kids ask about my path and kind of how I came. And, and I, you know, I start off a new house. I was a news reporter for two years in Nebraska. Then I went to Louisville, Kentucky for three and a half years. I started off as a news reporter there. And now I've been at Bleach Report, Turner and Warner media for about seven years. And the journey's been crazy. But I'll say this as, as you get ready to start looking at colleges. College is like if you're a chef and you're going to France to learn how to cook. And they teach you all the technical stuff. They teach you how to shoot. They teach you how to write. They teach you how to edit. But in the end, you will be a good cook based on your flavor. And nobody can teach you that. That's just what's in you. And that's kind of what you have to bring to everything that you do. So I would say the fact that you're already, you already have a show and you're already putting in reps and coming up with interview questions and all this, 
The hardest part is doing it. Getting great at it comes from doing it a lot. And, and the fact that you're doing this and you're not even 15 uh, is, is a good sign for things to come, Shane. Definitely. And you talk about that. You set your goals from a young age. You developed your skills. You eventually got into Newhouse. Talk a little about while you were in Newhouse at Syracuse. Uh, talk a little bit about the activities that you're involved in in the broadcasting industry. And then you mentioned earlier your path to eventually ending up at WHAS-TV Louisville and the process in producing the Louisville, Kentucky documentary, Red versus Blue. So college uh, at Syracuse, there is a very famous radio station there called WAER. That's where Bob Costas worked and Mike Tirico worked, Nick Wright. I didn't work at that one. I went to Z89 because I was a college kid and I didn't feel like waking up at 4.30 in the morning. And I did enough at Z89 that they let me have my own NFL talk show on Sundays that was like four hours. And I did it with Danny Parkins, who's now a major voice in Chicago. I did it with uh, Mike Meltzer, who's a big voice in Houston. And Andrew Filipino, who's a voice in uh, Pittsburgh. But I, I, there, I would do a radio show once a week. Uh, towards the end of my college experience, I did an internship at the NBC Syracuse station. And the internship, you're really just kind of seeing what they do and, and, and giving them tapes and all that. Um, I, I did an internship at NFL Network uh, one summer in California when it first started so long ago that Schefter was working for the NFL Network. Um, but I was also a bar back. You have no idea what that is. I worked in a bar at night uh, to pay for my rent. We had four guys in a one bedroom. So I got the futon, someone else got the couch, another kid took the corner, and our friend Tyler got the bedroom. And just that grind, even before I started working, it was just fun. I never, I never looked at it as something I had to do. It was something that was always a joy. Then I go to Nebraska, where I'm a news reporter for two years. I shot my own stuff. I wrote my own stuff. I produced my own stuff. I voiced it. I did my own makeup. And then I went on and I did it. And doing news really helped me with my writing because in sports, everything is about a result. A team won, a team lost, a team did well, a team did bad. But in news, there's a lot of gray area and that really helped me become a better writer uh, and tell better stories. And then when I went to Louisville, Kentucky, I again was a news reporter. Shane, they didn't let me do sports consistently until I had been in the business for three years. I had agents and uh, news directors tell me that if I switched to news, that my career could advance really quickly. And that if I was in sports, they didn't have anything for me because they didn't think I was that different. And that's about when I got fed up and I started doing Seinfeld cast and rap cast and wrestle cast because I just, I wanted to connect with younger people on social media. And I thought maybe if, they're a part of this, the watch. It wasn't to go viral, it was to connect with my community. Um, and so that, that eventually got me to Bleach Report, but Red versus Blue, um, if you go on YouTube, I actually did a three-part YouTube series about Red versus Blue. The, I called it, at that time, The Rivalry, Louisville versus Kentucky. And I shot, wrote, and edited all of that myself. And it was funny because I did not submit for awards and I think it would have won awards because I didn't do it for that. I did it to, to kind of get my storytelling, but 
The thing I learned about doing the documentary, Shane, was how unimportant social media was, where all I needed was all of my Twitter followers to maybe give five bucks and it would have funded the whole movie. But I just began to realize that people want to watch things online. They don't necessarily want to be driven to donate and, and all that stuff. And so I really learned a lot of this I'm going to have to do myself. Um, but I've always wanted to create more and do more. Even right now, Shane, I have the podcast and, and, and all this stuff, and I'm still going to spend the rest of this week going, what do I want to do right now? I'm going to kind of lock myself on the roof and just kind of do some ideating and thinking because once I get into a routine, I, I a lot of times want to break it and start something new that's exciting. And it's a challenge. And I think once you get complacent and you go, I am this person and I do this. For me, it's important to be multifaceted because there are so many parts of you that you're going to want to do. And you kind of have to find a way to touch each of those parts. The other thing is what's weird about this industry, you do everything when you first start. You're going to write your own stuff, edit, all that stuff. And as you go up, there's more people to help you. It's like the only industry where like the, the higher you go, the less you have to do. It, it gets to the point where like all I have to do is go out there and talk. Now I'm going to prepare just as hard if I had to do all that stuff. But what it really helps you with Shane is when I go out there and I see all the camera people and then I see the producers and I see the editors I know what they need to make great stuff because I've already done what they do. And also when you're on camera, you're the heartbeat sometimes of that room. And that's why NBA on TNT is so special because Charles Barkley and Ernie Johnson are so great and they treat everybody with such respect that if Charles is going to be nice to the lunch lady, who the hell are you? If Charles is going to say hello and shake hands to all the camera operators, why would you not? And so it's important to be able to be able to associate with those people and know, oh, I see what you're doing. Can you iris down a little bit? Oh, you know what iris down means? And it's, it's a way to connect with people because the more you go on camera, a lot of people can get ego. And if you've already done all those other jobs, in my opinion, it helps prevent you from getting an ego and talking down to people, which is, you should never do that. So over the past six and a half years, you've worked with TNT, Bleacher Report, and you've started off with a lot of NFL coverage videos. Uh, you're still anchoring BR's Digital Playbook with Lefko. You're hosting the Lefko show now, along with being on the set of the NBA on TNT pregame, alongside legends like D-Way, like Shaq, like Charles, like Candace Parker. What moment stands out to you as the, you made it to the big time moment, and B, what are some of your broadcasting skills that you developed throughout these past six and a half years at Bleacher Report? So for me, the first match, which was Tiger and Phil the first time, and being on the pregame show and sitting next to Samuel L. Jackson uh, was a oh crap moment. Uh, it's also the first time where I looked at my phone and it's like, you have 150 text messages. And I was like, whoa. And it was the first time where people were coming up to me, even that I worked with, and were like, you're good. And I was like, I've been working with you for five years, and now you're saying that? It's sometimes 
when people see you on set with other important people, that's when it clicks that you're doing that. Even though you're grinding for so long and you're putting in all the work, sometimes it's, oh, you, were, you interviewed Peyton Manning. Now you've made it. And it's like, nothing was different. It's the same thing as, it's just the name of the person is different. Um, some of the tools that I've added in my tool bag from Bleacher Report, one of the first things I did at Bleacher Report was they asked me if I wanted a writer and a producer, and I said no. And I have ad-libbed everything at Bleacher Report pretty much for seven years. And the reason that that was so important for me was when I get on camera, even if I'm taping something with you right now, I want to treat it live. So that if I say, you know what? I know that I can make a mistake and pick it up and adjust because so much about TV is not being perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's about being yourself. And, and that sounds like this big statement that's hard, but like, I'll tell you a lesson that I learned at school that really helped me at Newhouse. We had a, a, a class where every Monday at five, you would get there at 9 a.m. And at 5 p.m., your class would put on a news uh, cast. And one day I was weather. And with weather, you had to report during the day and then do the weather at night. And I didn't want to be a weather guy, so I didn't really care. Well, I spent too much time on the story, and I had to completely ad-lib the weather. And so I go out there, I have no idea. They put up a screen, I go, Tuesday, it's gonna be cold, better bring out a sweater. And Wednesday, whoa, are those leaves? Okay, be careful. And my professor brought me in and I went, I'm so sorry, I should have prepared. And he goes, whatever you did out there, do that all the time. And I said, well, I just kind of wung it. I ad-libbed it. He goes, Adam, every other time you get on camera, you're reading or you're very professional, he goes, that's not you. You're not 40 years old. You're 21 years old. Be you. And I think we're all in this quest to learn who we are and how we talk. Um, another thing I learned at Bleacher Report is you got to fight for what you want. When me and Sims first wanted to do a podcast, they told us that we couldn't do it during working hours. So we went in after work and I would tell them, listen, I know we just did an eight hour work day. I need 30 minutes. Now I knew it was going to go an hour and a half. I wasn't going to tell him that, but we went in there and he would say, why are we doing this? I said, because if we build something that's ours and then we get to create what we want to make. And so you have to bet on yourself. You have to kind of learn who you are. Uh, and then when you get on TV, it's not about being clean. It's not about being perfect. I've done a lot of newscasts that were very clean and I had no emotion. It's about, can you speak? And then someone afterwards goes, it felt like you were just talking to me. That's, that's what I've kind of learned over those last few years. And that conversation, especially in the podcast aspect of things, is so important. If you're sitting next to Sims or you're sitting next to Dwayne Brown and you're interviewing them, you want it to be like, of course, now you're probably interviewing virtually, but you want it to be like you're sitting right next to them and you're at the bar and you're just talking sports. And that's yes. what's great about this industry. Moving on to your relationships with your colleagues at TNT. So you've developed relationships, of course, moving off of Sims, developed in that relationship. And then now, of course, with other colleagues, talk about how those relationships have developed over the past couple of years, not only with your colleagues, but also you mentioned earlier, your management, your camera staff, your filmmakers. 
how have those relationships evolved over the past six and a half years? It's funny because bad relationships help you with the more important relationships early. And what I mean is, I remember when I first got to Louisville, and I was probably a little intimidated by some of the reporters there because I was coming from Nebraska and I didn't know what the heck I was doing really. And I remember that I, I was kind of talking trash on another reporter. Like I didn't think they were that good. And of course it got back to them and I, I was embarrassed. And I remember that time where I was like, I will never do that again. Like it's just not worth it. It's mean, it's, it's unnecessary. And because of that now, every relationship I make is one I want to last a long time. And I want to be friends with these people. And the friendship that I had with Sims last to this day, it's someone that I truly cherish and I appreciate. And we grew up so much together, just getting reps in. And now to like, to text D-Wade yesterday and just be like, yo man, I'm loving what you're putting out right now. It's great. He's like, love you, bro. And like, I can text Candace and ask her what book she's reading or mess around with Chuck or Shaq and, and ask Ernie a question. Like I value that so much because their time is so valuable but I'm never expecting it. And I'm always appreciative. I'm never, I never want to reach out and ask for things. I would rather give, 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 and then maybe get. And then I learned from watching other reporters mistreat camera people at my stations where they would oh, just do this or just get that shot. I don't want to do this. And I would be like, man, that's your teammate. And they're, they're there to make you look good. Everybody there is there to make you look good. And if they make a mistake, it was not on purpose to make you look dumb. Now you're the one that's gonna look dumb because you're on camera, but the more you can be a team and you can, you can in your role, which gets all the glitz and the glamor, turn it around and thank them and give that energy back, they will fight for you and with you. And never forget, the management is looking about hiring people, they will go to that room and they will say, hey, camera operators, hey, producers, hey, directors, do you like working with Adam? And if they go, he's kind of rude and he treats people like crap and I don't really like him, they're going to go, oh, that's not a good culture. But if they come in and they go, well, do you like working with, oh, I love him. He's the man. We have a blast. You're creating an energy. And my job as host is to get the best out of who I work with. I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn what, how do you, it's Rondo is one of the best point guards in the NBA at learning where a guy wants to get the ball to get into his shooting motion. And I look at it like that. It is my job to set them up to look smart and they can get all the credit in the world. I just need somebody like Shane Holcomb hit me up and being like, I noticed that question that was good. And then I go, he saw it. I'm good. He saw it. Awesome. So let's transition into the match to, it was on Sunday. It was a blast. Far exceeded the match in 2018. Like it was so much year. fun, man. There, I think there was only two birdies back in 2018. It was, it was, it was kind of so-so, but this, this one was amazing. And it made it even better that they raised $20 million for charity for COVID-19 charity. That was the best part of it. This is what golf needed though, Lefko. They needed these, mics they needed these carts they needed entertainment they needed a pushback the banter the personalized golf carts so you got to interview all four of these guys before before the match started so yeah 
A, what was it like to interview all four of them with their banner back and forth? And also your thoughts on the overall broadcast, because I thought the TNT team did great. So it was very funny to, it, it's very funny to speak to somebody like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, who are heroes in almost every room they walk into, stories for days, never feeling nervous. But the amount of fear that I heard in the week leading up to the event from Manning and Brady, there's something about playing a sport that is not yours in front of a national audience. And there's something about golf where you can shank one and everybody laughs at your expense. It was very funny leading up to the match to hear Manning go, it's been raining lately. I haven't been able to golf. This has been awful. And Brady being like, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like I, last time I went out, I had like a 96. Like it's, it is very funny to see them because it was so human. And normally you would ask Tom Brady about football and he's got like a triple PhD black belt. But in golf, he's a yellow belt. And that, that was really cool. In terms of the broadcast, I thought it was special. I thought that what we learned from the match the first time as I sat there with Barkley and Samuel L. Jackson was I was, in, I was trying to get the producer's attention going, Barkley and Samuel L. Jackson are saying some of the funniest things I have ever heard in my life. You need to open up their microphones. And this year, it worked. Justin Thomas was hilarious. Charles Barkley was classic Charles Barkley. And that moment with Brady where he hit it and then said, suck on that, Chuck, was the funniest thing I've seen in a long time. But I thought it had a lot of the elements that golf needed where in a foursome, whether you're playing, I know you play today, you need one guy that's doing well that keeps the pace going. And that was Tiger. And I thought because that was Tiger's course, he had every fairway. It wasn't hunting for balls. No, it was he's going at 100 miles an hour and it kind of brought everybody else along. Phil and Peyton were perfect compliments. They're talkers, they're funny, they're corny, but they're also like, they also crack you up. And then Tom, I mean, that journey was made for social media. It was, it was seven holes of crap. And then the greatest moment that we'd seen, and then he got really cocky. And, and I, I thought it was so much fun. I'm excited to see what the third installment is gonna be. Who will the partners be there? And I do think it was great that the first year, Phil took $9 million off of Woods. This year, $20 million to go to COVID-19 relief. And I, I, I think sometimes when you do these charity things, it's a little bit too much. It's all the time. But the mix-in of the all-in challenge and the calls and people calling in like Brooks Kepka and saying, I'll donate 100, it, it added, I love when we break the fourth wall and the players hear what people online are saying. It's almost like if you could go to Tom Brady during the Super Bowl and be like, hey, J.J. Watt says you're playing like crap. And he'd be like, what? That's what we got to see. And I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, and I loved Justin Thomas. We're going to get into him a little bit later. But Phil Mickelson, when he's given that description off the green, when he's oh. given that description of his chip shot, then he hits around, he hits it perfect. Like, he, he does – exactly what he describes. I thought that was amazing. I love the I loved the card cams. Those were amazing too. Transitioning into your pregame show though, we had a lot of fun with the Benham preview with the squad versus Kelly. So 
I was on your side in the comments when yeah. you guys, so Kelly was trying to make a putt. You were trying to make this insane chip shot. Like the circle is super small. The hole was super small. Talk us through Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Talk us through that show, uh, watching, watching that with Kelly going through their picks. It was, it was surprising. She agreed with a lot of what the public was saying. Talk us through that pregame show and the differences between this year and 2018. I'll give you um, some inside baseball of like how the show gets made. This, is, this was the difference in my experience pregame, let alone the fact that Barkley wasn't there and Samuel L. Jackson and Pat Perez, and I'm not at the golf course. In, in 2018, there's producers that have been doing this for 20 years. And there's three camera operators that have been doing this for 20 years. And people are building the set. And I have an official rundown. And there's a stage manager, this woman that would come over and go, Adam, they're going to go to this camera. And they're going to come to that camera. And there's people everywhere. And it, it felt like a little college game day mixed with like a pregame show at an, an arena. And it, it felt big. This time, because of quarantine and coronavirus, I'm in the studio with one camera guy, Gabe, who I've known forever. And the, the uh, rundown that I'm using is on an Excel spreadsheet. This is not professional at all. Like they were, because everyone's making it at home. And I, I'll show you right here. This was, I don't know if you can see me because it seems like I might be shorting out a little bit. But I'll hold it up in case you can. This was the notes that I took to figure out in my own brain how I was going to make it work because I had to write little notes in there about when I was tossing to a video or when I was tossing it to Kelly because when you're in the middle of doing a live show, I can't look down at a spreadsheet and figure out where I am. And so I, I was in my apartment for two days figuring out, okay, I'm going to go here to here to here. And it was a very different experience, but I, I have very much enjoyed doing the betting side of sports. I feel like that's where everything is going, um, but I also feel like it's a more fun way instead of just saying who wins. That conversation can get a little bit boring. Talking about a little bit props and shots, it allows you to talk about the minutia of the game beyond winning and losing. Yeah, I loved the amount of props that were on DraftKings that we were all talking about in the comments. There were some crazy comment words down there. I don't know if you can see the comments while you're doing the show, but people were talking about their betting props. I sheets. couldn't. What were they warring about? It, it, was, it was crazy. There was guys talking about betting on food that Tiger would be eating during the course. It was, it was unbelievable, but it was a great show. I loved it, and I loved Kelly. Nice. She did a great job. And how about Patrick Mahomes coming in and giving us some inside information on the day? That was awesome. Transitioning into yeah. Charles Barkley, we got to talk some Chuck because he's your colleague. He was on the TNT set in Florida. He, of course, chirps in Brady's year. And, of course, the GOAT pulls one from 150-plus yards out. And you mentioned it. He says, suck that, Chuck. Probably the best quote in the past three months in the sports world. So what was your reaction to Brady, first of all, holding that shot? And then coming back because Phil Mickelson and him almost – Came all the way back from three down. That was a great match. That was the, the dream scenario because, I mean, Brady was getting destroyed. But you know this, you golf today. 
you could have a round where nothing is going your way and you hold a cup like that and that's all you're going to talk about for the rest of your life. And I think it's honestly a good lesson about social media. You could do an hour long podcast with somebody. It's going to come down to what's your best 30 seconds because that's what's going to be spread on the internet. That's the conversation. You know, for your listeners that listen to the whole show, they'll, they'll hit you up and say, oh, that was enjoyable. But for everybody else in, in our world right now, everybody's a little bit too busy. It's about the moments. And I think what I've learned recently is when I make TV or when I make content, I want to have moments. It's not about the conversations are good, but I really want the moments to be special. And that was a moment. And that it, it's nobody knows how Brady really did afterwards. They know he did bad in the beginning, but they don't really remember any of those shots. But I think it's, it's a good reminder in life that one really special moment can carry you far and you don't know when it's going to come. So you always have to be prepared. And I, I think the thing that I was thinking about was Brady hits it, says, suck on that, Chuck, talks trash to Brooks Kepka, and then goes, I want to say I love you to my mom, to my wife, to my kids. It was almost like he knew that was so special and I know that's going to be used, so I need to send love to my family. And it, it, it was just interesting to watch his brain switch like that. I had never seen that before. I, I loved it. And you mentioned him talking about his family. It was great. And then, of course, his pants slip when he's going down to get off the ball. But oh, yeah, was, right down the scene. It was, it was great. Social media on Sunday was a blast. So let's go back. A blast. Into, let's go back to Justin Thomas because I thought he did a great job reporting He's going to be on the cover of PJ Tour 2K21. He was great in the course of pouring yesterday. He had moments with Phil. He had moments with Tiger alongside the cart. He was great. What were your thoughts on Justin Thomas? Because he was hilarious throughout the day. This is what's surreal for me. I interviewed Justin Thomas when he was in high school because he grew up in Louisville and then went to Alabama. And I got to interview him before he went. And he was like this meek kid. And to watch Justin Thomas these last few years bloom into the golfer he is and, and align with Ricky Fowler and, and that group and become like one of the young guns in, in golf that everybody loves. It's been special. And then to see these young golfers not be afraid. A lot of the older golfers are quieter on the course. They're more respectful, but these younger golfers I think it probably has to do with Ricky wearing bright orange all the time and these kids being like, you know what, golf can be fun and, and, and you know, all the other shows that are out there like foreplay pod and all that. I thought that he was great. And what I look for in analysts are the lack of fear. Not, like I said, I don't need you to not make a mistake. The reason Charles Barkley is great is he's going to say whatever is on his mind. Shaq is going to go anywhere. Kenny Smith's not afraid. And D. Wade and Candace are getting there, too, where they're like, no, I, I want to say something. And we need to have things to say. And I thought Justin was great. And also, just the way he was driving up next to Tiger, not afraid to talk to Tiger, just kind of cruising, sitting back. Like, it, it, it didn't feel like a sideline reporter. So in that way, I thought it felt special. Yeah, and I loved JT's stories about him and Tiger at the President's Cup. That, yes. was an, that was amazing. Before we wrap up, I want to talk about a potential match, the third. You have Steph Curry coming out on Instagram saying that he wants to participate mm. in it. 
a lot of stars want to do this thing. But in the future, if you're picking a group or a foursome who you want to go out and see golf against each other, what's the foursome and why? I saw someone pitching this and I could totally see it happening because of sponsors and friendliness. Uh, when Steph Curry was at the Open in Tahoe, which is one of the best events I've ever been at, his partner was Aaron Rodgers. I believe that they do have a friendship and I believe they're both with State Farm. So I could see an Aaron Rodgers, Steph Curry. I will be honest, I don't know if that's the one I'd want to watch because I believe that what made this great was Peyton and Tom were willing to talk and have fun. And I don't know if Rodgers is like that. I think Rodgers is a good guy and I think he's fun. But like Brady was crap talking Peyton and Peyton went, and I don't know if it would be the same. Um, I would love to see it be Woods, uh, Mickelson, Charles Barkley, and Michael Jordan. That would be amazing. I just don't think they would have any patience for Chuck after a while. They'd be like, we can't do this. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's, it's cool that they're, they're really finding the elite of the elite rivalries. And so as you go through, you know, I don't, I don't know if Federer and Nadal is, is uh, big enough for people. Uh, I, I look at, at baseball and I, I don't know, McGuire and Sosa. You, you try and think of those storybook competitors that were going back and forth. But I think when I look at it now, basketball would likely be next. So Steph could definitely be one of them. I could see it being, you know, I don't know how D Wade's game is with, with CP3, but I, I like it better when they're competitors because I think it adds to it. So I'm going to have to rack my brain on that more. Yeah, definitely. And I hope that comes soon because the PJ Tour and golf needed this. They're going to be back June 11th. They have that star date. Hopefully Tiger and Phil are both playing at the Colonial Tournament. Real quick before you wrap this podcast up. So I try to make this podcast relatable to even those who don't even follow sports, relatable to high school students, relatable to my friends. So what would be your advice for high school students at this time, but also to add on to that, aspiring sports broadcasters like a camper at Play Play Sports Broadcasting Camps? Don't get worried about your opportunities right now. Don't be worried about your resume tape right now. Don't be worried that your podcast isn't being on the top charts right now. These are just reps. You're getting reps right now, and you have to be okay with that. You're just taking swings. Malcolm Gladwell had the 10,000 rep rule, where when you do something 10,000 times, that's when you master it. How I was when I was 21 sucked compared to when I was 25. And that sucked to how I was at 29, and that sucked to how I was at 34. You're gonna get better. Where you are now is not where you're going to be. Also, you don't need a job right away. In fact, I would implore people to work at other places to make you more of a human. I think sometimes when I was at Newhouse, I would meet kids that all they did was work in broadcasting. And what would happen is, is because I used to work in a bar or a restaurant or I cleaned ice machines and I like live normal summers. Like we hear this with athletes, people get too specialized. I can relate to athletes more 
and I can, because I can talk to them about real stuff and not just, I'm not always working all the time. Um, I would also say do, just do a lot. Don't be worried if someone says you suck right now. Listen, they just watched your full video and then commented underneath. Who cares? I appreciate the comment, we're moving on. Also, don't ever be discouraged by comments. Learn which comments to pay attention to. If someone says I'm the greatest broadcaster of all time, I don't believe you because that's not the truth yet. If someone says I'm the worst broadcaster of all time, I don't believe you either. It's the people that might say, Adam, I like your podcast, but I've been noticing lately that you've been interrupting too much. That guy or that woman listened and gave, and so don't be worried about comments. Don't defend yourself. There is nothing more powerful than seeing that somebody said something about you and going, you know what? I don't care. And I, I think it's important because now, like when I started, there wasn't a comment section. Now there is. And for a lot of people, it's really hard. I would say read a lot and it doesn't just have to be sports because the more you read, the more you're going to learn and you never know what, what lessons you're going to get. Um, also, a lot of broadcasters right now, everybody's sharing stuff and you can steal game. You know, if, some, if somebody posts, oh, I want to show you around my studio and how I set it up. Man, freeze frame that. Take screenshots. Oh, why do they put that there? Oh, why do they put that there? If, if somebody posts a book, here's a book I'm reading. Maybe check it out. It, people are giving away free game right now. Um, and then the last thing I would say is what I said in my thing that Ernie had me on for EJ's Broadcasting School. You need to learn to develop your own opinions. And it's okay that you don't know yet. When, when LeBron has a game and the next day someone comes up to you and goes, where do you rank LeBron or whatever it is? One, it's okay to say, I don't know. But before you turn on a Stephen A or a Nick Wright or a me and, and you, you go, Adam had a good idea, really challenge yourself to think for yourself. To sit there with a pen and a paper and go, what do I think about this? I, I tell this to people with sneakers all the time. A sneaker gets released and everyone goes, oh man, it's getting so much hype. And I go, before you look at the hype, look at the sneaker. Does it look cool to you? Because there have been many times where I've gone, oh, that sneaker, I don't like it. And then everyone loves it. And I'm like, eh, I don't need to spend all that money because I just, I know that I don't like it. And I think a lot of young people, they want to be great right away. And they're afraid that their opinions aren't that good. And what I would challenge people to do is to, to learn how you really feel. You know, if everyone's saying that LeBron stinks and you don't feel that way, it's okay to disagree. And that's you. But also down the road, you can change your opinion. So just learn to think for yourself. Learn how you speak. Learn to write like you speak. Uh, and don't be afraid to put out content all the time and no one's looking at it. That's okay. It's not for them. It's for you and you're just trying to get better. Well, thank you very much, Adam. Before we wrap up this episode, I want to ask you where we can find you on Twitter, Instagram, so our audience can go follow you, but of course, also your website and your podcast. 
So most of my social handles are all at Adam Lefko, L-E-F-K-O-E. You can uh, check out the podcast, The Lefko Show, wherever you download podcasts. Uh, The videos are on Facebook, the BR Gridiron page. And I'll be posting all the stuff to my social. And you can follow me on TikTok at at Lefko. I dropped the Adam for TikTok because, you know, it's a new generation, man. And as I put those filters on, Adam doesn't exist anymore. It's just Lefko. That's awesome, man. Of course, everyone, you guys have been great so far for the podcast. We're on our 17th week already. It's kind of crazy. Awesome. Uh, You can go follow the Shane Holcomb show at the Shane show one on Instagram, as well as at the Shane show two on Twitter. You can always find me at Twitter at Shane Holcomb 13. That's going to wrap up this episode. Make sure to download and subscribe to the podcast and rate a five-star rate. Give them a five-star review. Yeah. Next, next week, I'm going to be shouting out those people like I do every single week. But thank you, everyone. I hope you, everyone out there is staying safe. And I'll see you guys later.